You're listening to the Paradox Church Podcast. Paradox Church is a Jesus-centered community where our motto is, Come as you are, no perfect people allowed. For more information about our service times, location, and to get connected with us, please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning again, wherever you are joining us from here today. My name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here at Paradox, and it's good to be with you in this way. Um, Today, we are continuing our new series called Anxious for Nothing. And I want to ask you, have you ever just had enough? You ever had enough? Maybe you've been battling anxiety, and this message today is for you. This message is for you. Uh, if, if you are feeling heavy in spirit this morning, you've kind of drug yourself up, you've had a tough week, homeschooling or work is different, you've been watching the news, today this message is for you if you're feeling heavy. You might be worried about something. We've gotten texts and, and, and emails about people that are going to the hospital. Maybe they feel like they're sick. It could be a health issue for you or someone you love. Maybe it's, it's aging parents or grandparents. You're entering into a burdensome financial season this morning. You're worried about your kids and school and decisions, things that are happening there. Uh, Or maybe it's just decisions that they're making or sending them off to school. It could have nothing to do with the COVID-19 pandemic at all, but you're in this season of heaviness. This is a message series for those of us that are worried. We're dealing with fear, battling anxiety, and over the course of the next three weeks. We're going to start in Philippians chapter 4. And we're going to take a small portion of that text and highlight it and use it uh, to kind of support other, other portions of Scripture as we go after this one big truth together on how to be anxious for nothing. Before we get into it too much, though, I, want to, I just want to uh, give you a little bit of the context for Philippians 4, when, it's, when, when Paul writes this letter, see, Paul wanted nothing more than to, than to go to Rome, to preach the gospel, but he does find himself in Rome, just not the way that he thought, not the way that he thought it would look like. He's locked up. He's a prisoner, and he's spending 24 hours a day tied up, chained to a Roman guard. He could have been anxious in that. I think a whole lot of us would have been not knowing how long is he going to be there, what is this going to look like, even whether or not he would live through this experience. But under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he pens these words. And they're found in Philippians 4, chapter 4, or verse 4. Starting, it's a lot of fours, but here's what Paul writes. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Other translations put it this way. The Lord is near. And it's that one phrase, that one truth, that really sets up everything else that he is about to say and everything else that we are going to talk about for the rest of today. The Lord is near. I hope that we can believe that truth this morning. I hope you feel the presence, the nearness of God this morning. And so with that, I just want to read the rest of this, and would you join me in prayer together? It goes on, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, 
Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which transcends and surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Father God, that is our prayer here this morning, that wherever we are, wherever we're watching from, wherever our circumstance, wherever our heart is, God, would you meet us in this moment? Would you come near to every one of us that's hearing today? And would you guard our hearts and our minds? Would you bring your peace that surpasses all understanding, God, as we look to not be anxious, but in everything, go to you, draw near to you because you are near. You are here and we thank you so much for that. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, I want to be honest. This, uh, some, some messages, some series, it seems like you're, you're able to speak from a place of strength and others you need to, play, to, to preach from a, a place of weakness. And, and this is one of those areas that for me has always been a struggle. Anxiety, depression, worry, control. These are things that I deal with even as a pastor, right? On a day-to-day, week-to-week basis, especially when things get rough in times kind of like this. This has been a rough season for me. I know it has for so many of you as well. There have been days and moments where, where I find like I'm snapping at the people that I love. I'm not as present as I want to be. You're irritable, right? Getting in, into fights with people that, you're, that you're, you're working with. We've had a couple of those this past week. As awesome as our team is, it's, it's difficult, right? To not be in the same place, to be going after things in an ever-changing world. And I find myself more irritable than I normally even am. There's even been moments where we have a hard time breathing. There's overwhelmed sense of anxiety. This message today is not born out of something that I am strong in, but it is a weakness for me. And it's not just me. And it's not just right now. For so many of us, this is a daily reality, right? American anxiety levels have experienced a sharp increase. 40% of respondents to a recent poll said they felt more anxious than they did one year ago. The poll also shows that U.S. adults are increasingly anxious, particularly about health, safety, finances. And these levels are increasing, believe it or not, the younger we are. Millennials, Gen Z, are more anxious than previous generations. 35% will experience a panic attack due to stress at some point. 65% of post-secondary students reported experiencing overwhelming anxiety in the previous year. And get this one, 91% of Gen Z said they felt physical or emotional symptoms such as depression or anxiety associated with stress. And that is from the American Psychological Association, 91%. It's something that we deal with on a day-to-day basis. Every single one of us at some point, for some reason, has anxiety in our lives. But how do we deal with these words in the Bible? How are we supposed to take seriously when Paul says, be anxious for nothing? Is that even possible, right? How do we do that? Today I want to share a story with you about an Old Testament prophet who may actually be a lot like you and I. He's a guy that really loves God, and yet he still struggles with massive anxiety. 
A lot of times it feels like it's supposed to be simple, right? Oh, just love God. Or people will tell you that. Just love God. Have faith. Everything will be okay. But for Elijah and for me and maybe for you, it's just not quite that simple. Elijah's story is found in 1 Kings chapter 19. And he confronts this very evil king named Ahab. He confronts Ahab on sin and he prophesies that there's going to be a drought and it's going to significantly impact Ahab's kingdom and that does not go over well with the king, believe it or not. The king doesn't listen and actually he comes at Elijah. He comes after him and with an army and he says, we're going to kill you. Elijah's like, hey, don't shoot the messenger, right? I'm just sh- telling you what's real. I'm just sharing this. But Ahab comes after him and for three years. Elijah is on the run. He's hiding out. And all the while, God is faithful. God's faithful every single day of this. He feeds him with bread. Ravens come and bring him, bring him food. At one point, Elijah actually stands down 850 other men. 850, right? I get intimidated enough by one. I remember at one point being in high school, I was on the swim team and I stood up to a group of wrestlers, right? It did not go well for me. The next thing I remember was being at the bottom of a dog pile, right? Being pinched of all things. Come on, wrestlers. I expect more from you. 850 of them, though, Elijah stands up to. And you know what? Because God is with him in that, he wins. He calls down fire from heaven. He sees God's provision, his power. He sees miracle after miracle. You would think that Elijah had no reason to be anxious. But one grumpy woman gets up in his grill then, and he falls completely apart. Ahab's wife, she comes into the picture. And Ahab's wife, she's going to make King Ahab look like Mother Teresa. Her name is Jezebel. And she says, if you can't get it done, then I will. And Elijah falls apart. He falls into this deep depression and anxiety. And the story picks up in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 3 and 4, when it says this, Then he was afraid. Then he was afraid. And he rose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It's enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I'm no better than my father's. He said, It's enough. I've had enough. Maybe some of you are feeling like that today. Enough. Put up with a lot day after day, story after story, thing after thing. And finally, all you want to do is you want to run, sit down and go, God, it is enough. I've had enough. How many of us have said this? Maybe even in the last week, the last day. I've had enough. Finances, relationships, the schedule, the kids. I've had enough. We just can't take it anymore. And typically when we get to that place, we start making mistakes. And there's four mistakes specifically that Elijah makes that I want to just talk through with us together this morning. Here's the first mistake that Elijah makes that maybe you and I have made or are making as well. Here's the first one. We start running on empty. 
We run on empty and we run ourselves into the ground. In 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 3, it says, Then he was afraid and he arose and ran for his life. He ran for his life. Isn't that the way that it usually goes? When you start dealing with anxiety, when things get crazy, chaotic, out of control in your life, you start running faster. You start going further than you normally would. Just to do a little bit of a geography lesson, the distance that was ran to Beersheba from where he was was about 100 miles. 100 miles, that's four marathons. I can't even do one 5K. But bring a little bit of anxiety into our lives, right? And suddenly, we're running fast. We're running hard. We're running further than we normally would. And we end up wearing ourselves out. I don't know about you, but I feel like this past week has been nonstop. I I just haven't stopped. At one point, I actually realized, like, I don't know that I've really seen my kids in a couple days. For some of us, that's reality. More than we want it to be. We look at things and and go, man, I, I haven't sat down. I haven't had a day off. We don't stop working. Even when we do stop working, our mind keeps on going. We're running ahead. We're frustrated. We're exhausted. We don't stop. We don't have a day off. The problem comes when the consequences, though, start showing up in this, right? The the problem is everything up until then. See, we, we think that the end of that road is actually the problem. The problem is everything that led up to the problems. We sow seeds of exhaustion in our life and burnout. Well, if you sow those seeds, then you are going to reap exhaustion and burnout in your life. Some of us are there. We've been going way too hard, way too long. We're setting ourselves up for exhaustion and burnout. What do we need in these moments where things feel out of control, when everything in us says, try to get control back, run harder, do more, keep going, keep running? It's actually the opposite of what we really need to do. 1 Kings 19, verse 5 and 8, this is what Elijah does. Finally, he stops running, and he lays down, and he sleeps under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. That happens a few more times. And eventually, Elijah, in verse 8, rises up, and he eats, and he drinks. And I love these words. He went in the strength of that food, 40 days and 40 nights, to Horeb, the mount of God. Sometimes we're trying to control things when things feel out of control. So we do more. We try harder, we run faster, we go further when the reality is that we might just need to stop, slow down, sleep, spend time with God. Why? Because in those moments, everything that we've been trying to control, everything that we've been going after, we actually find, we we find in our supplier, God, receive strength, and he's able to go again. Some of us are going without the strength. Paul says something similar in Philippians 4, verse 11 to 13. It says, Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I'm in to be content, right? He doesn't have to control his circumstances and surroundings to be okay. 
No, I know how to be brought low and how to abound in any and every circumstance. In any and every circumstance, he says. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How many of us are living going, yes, I can do this. I can do this. I'm going to make this. I can do it today. I can do it this week. I'm going to keep on going. That's not what Paul says. He doesn't say, I can do all things through positive thinking. I can do all things through trying a little bit harder. I can do all things through better planning. No, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We skip that part, though. We need strength. So many of us are running on empty. We're going without strength. This week, I want to invite you. How will you stop running? How can we release control? Maybe you need to create some boundaries. Perhaps you just need to slow down and rest. I want to give you some opportunities to do that. We, we want to help you find help here at Paradox. We want to strengthen you for the journey. You could go to paradoxchurch.com. There's all sorts of, of things there for you to be strengthened, encouraged, find hope, hope and help because we can't do this all by ourselves. We can't control it all by ourselves. Sometimes it even comes from other people. Philippians 4 verse 10, Paul acknowledges this. He says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly now at length. You have revived your concern for me. I love so much of what I see when I look on Facebook and I talk to others, it's like we're in this period where our concern for each other has been revived. We're looking out for one another again. We're thinking of each other. We're caring for each other. Paul goes on in verse 14 to 16. He says this, Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. Isn't it so great when, when you're strengthened because others share your trouble? And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Partnership, right? So, so many times we think of guys like Paul, like these self-made men that are going after it, uh, and, and they're just working nonstop, right? No, he says, I'm receiving. I'm in partnership with others. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again, help for my needs. God wants to give you strength. Others want to help you in your time of need. Help often comes from others, but here's the second mistake we make, especially in a time of increased anxiety. We leave people behind, don't we? We shut other people out. It's not new. Elijah did it. Again, 1 Kings 19.3, he leaves his servant there. He's running for his life. In a time of great need, he leaves his servant behind, his trusted friend. He goes off on his own. And isn't that the way it works, right? When we're hurting, we tell ourselves, it's just a season. I'm not going to tell people. I can handle this on my own. I don't want to burden anybody with this stuff. And what goes first? People. We're exhausted. We're, we're, I'm just going to stay in tonight, Right? And there's a time for that. There's a time for just saying, hey, I'm going to stay in tonight. But church, small group, these are the things that end up going first. 
people in our lives. I've been doing this long enough to know that, that it's not those things that actually go first, right? There's something else that's going on. There's hurt, there's pain, there's sin, there's exhaustion. And when we start to feel with th- those things and we don't deal with them, we start stepping out of community. We start leaving people behind. We start leading ourselves to a place of isolation. And it's a place where a whole lot of us are are very tempted to go and be right now because we can't interact in the ways that we normally would. There's this heightened sense, a heightened awareness that we're alone, that we're not in community. We, We can't see people. We can't interact in the ways that we normally would. But I just want to encourage us Separation does not mean isolation. Paradox. What if we are not isolated in this time? I want to encourage you, join a small group right now. It sounds like a crazy time to do that, right? But there's no time where there's been a larger need for human connection. How can we as a church host human connection, even if it might look a little bit different. It's always been the heartbeat of who we are as a community. We, as humans, were created for it. Community, life is better together. We're incomplete without the family of God. We want to host human connection, and not just that, but face-to-face, right? So many of us are texting more, and that's good, but how can we actually get face-to-face in a time when we are supposed to be alone? We started some Google Hangouts. At the end of the service, you're going to have an opportunity to jump into one. We've got small groups that are meeting throughout the week. I'm doing Sunday night cigars tonight. You can jump online, grab a cigar, and smoke one with me, and your clothes won't even smell because uh, we'll all be in different places. It's going to be awesome. But step into community in some way. Somehow, ladies, there's going to be a ladies hangout this week as well. This is a great time to step into community. It's an opportunity for what's always been true to actually be true. For 100%, 100%, no, 110% of our church to be connected in community. The time for it is now, this week. How will you step in to community? I want to encourage you, find a home. Check out one of those online opportunities. Paradoxchurch.com forward slash updates. You can find everything that you need right there. It's going to help you. It's going to strengthen you. And there's going to be people there that can run with you, encourage you, because especially in times of anxiety, we have, point number three, this tendency to focus on the negative, don't we? 1 Kings 19.4, Elijah asks that he might die, saying, it's enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. I'm no better than, he says. My life is, it's, it's just too hard. It's too much. I'll never be able to get it done. We say things like this. I don't like these people. I don't like my job. I'm always going to struggle. I'm always going to be broke. I'm always going to be hurting. I'm never going to be happy in my life. We focus on the negative in times of anxiety. But what if it was an opportunity for us to do something completely different? If we're not going to focus on the negative, and there's a lot of it, we're going to have to focus on something else. Because you and I both know, right, you can't just tell yourself to not do something. Don't focus on that. Where is all your focus, right? On the negative. We're going to have to focus on the good. Focus on the positive. What if this was a time like for thankfulness, like never before, for renewing our mind, for worship, enjoying 
this time, going outside, playing games. What if for a whole lot of us, this was the moment, the opportunity to actually step away in a lot of ways from technology, even when we're more dependent on it than ever. Maybe that looks like for you, turning off the news. Here's something that I've done. Most of my notifications on my phone are off. I don't need to be notified every single time a new case is reported. I'm checking in regularly, but I don't need to be notified constantly. Where are the opportunities for good, for thankfulness, for worship? Because I want to tell you, one of the things that I've been clinging to right now is that, yes, the enemy brings evil things. The enemy has awful intentions for you, for your family, for our church, for our world. But in the middle of the same circumstances, Genesis 50 tells us this, what the enemy intended for evil, God intends for good. God is doing things, and I want to be somebody. I want to be a church that finds those things those opportunities for life that goes, God, what are you doing in this? How can I participate in that? That's what I want to be doing. Philippians 4, verse 4 to 7, Paul puts it this way. Rejoice in the Lord always. Not just when times are good. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say it. Rejoice. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God with thanksgiving, rejoicing, always. Just one verse later in verse 8, Paul continues, he, and he says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, lovely, commendable, if there's anything excellent, anything worthy of praise, think about these things. That's where peace comes from. Colossians 3, 2 says, set your mind on things that are above, not earthly things. This week, that's the phrase. How will you set your mind on things that are above? How will you find hope? I want to encourage you, again, go to our Facebook page. Check out our Facebook groups. Maybe even check that link to Spotify. How are you going to fill your mind this week with things that are good, honorable, lovely, noble. Set your mind on those things because that is where hope comes from. It's not hiding our head in the sand. No, it's just saying, no, I'm not going to focus on the negative because that just leads to a place of anxiety. I'm going to choose instead to focus on something life-giving, the good, on hope. So many of us, are, we're so focused on the future or, 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 or our fears that we forget about the past and we can have faith because of the past, because God is faithful. When we're, when we're feeling anxious in times of anxiety, this is point number four, we end up looking to the wrong things. 1 Kings 19, verse 11 to 12. Elijah's looking for something. And this is where he looks. Starts in verse 11. And he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. 
And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. The sound of a low whisper. So many times, right, we're looking for God in something big, something obvious, something powerful. We're looking for God to show up in a certain way. Maybe right now we're looking for God in science. And I'm there. I, I, I want to see cures found. I want to see power shown. But where, where we're looking for God has, makes all the difference. What are we looking to right now? Where are we finding our security? It's interesting how we, we find out where our hope is when certain things get taken away, right? A job or our safety, our security or, or stability, certainty. When those things go away, we end up feeling anxious. But we have a God that never goes away. He's always been. He's present. He's been faithful. God's power has been made visible. His provision has been made real. And Elijah does what so many of us do. He faces his problems but forgets his God. We know that God is near, right? We know it up here. But things like this happen in our life and we still end up falling apart. How does God respond to that? Is he sick of us? Is he tired? Does he go, oh, well, all right. I'm just going to let you do what you're going to do then. No, 1 Kings 19 verse 11, God actually comes near, right? I love that. Elijah seeks him out and God is near. He's not in the remarkable though. He's not in the obvious, the powerful. He's just in the ordinary, the mundane. When we're hurting, when we're overwhelmed, why, do, why is it that God doesn't seem to speak in these loud ways? And I want to encourage us here, right? He whispers because he's close. He's close. He, he whispers to draw us close. What is God doing right now to draw us closer to him, to depend more on him, to trust more fully in him, to spend more time looking to him, loving him? The devil shouts lies, especially in times of anxiety like this. There's accusation, condemnation. You'll never do this. You'll always be that. But God, on the other hand, whispers because he's near. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm always with you. Even to the end of the age, nothing can separate you from my love nothing, neither height nor depth nor darkness. Why does God whisper? Because he's close. I just want to close our time together by sharing Jeremiah 29. It's something that I read this week and I felt like it was for us as a church family together. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 to 14 says, for I know the plans I have for you, plans for wholeness, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. There are things that come into our life that the result needs to be, should be. God longs for it to be. You will seek me. You will come to me this week, are you looking for the power, the big, the obvious, or are you seeking him in silence? How will you seek God? 
if you're looking for hope, you come to a good place this morning. You can find other updates at our, at our website, on our Facebook page as well. But when we seek him, we find him. And when God comes, when he's near, there is hope there. He's constant. And not only can we find help, but we can be distributors of, of hope for other people too. Just a couple verses before in Jeremiah 29, 7, it says, but seek the welfare of the city to which I have sent you into exile. Seek the welfare of the city. It's not just about us, for us, but when we receive something from God, when there's hope in him and help in our church community, we get to turn around and become distributors of that hope, of that help, and we can seek the welfare, the good of others. You can not just find help on our website, you can give it as well. And I know I'm talking about the website a lot. It's because it's pretty much all we have. That's our connection point. And we want to let you know, whatever you're looking for, you can head there, and I promise you, we will help you find it. Whether that's hope or, or, or a home and community or help in some way. Or if you want to give help, you can volunteer to do that as well. We've got online forms available for both of those things. Whether you call Paradox Church, your church home or not, we want to invite you to find hope and find help, but also give it away. Seek the good. How will you do that this week? Will you check in on somebody? Will you offer to help in some way? Will you just make a phone call? Will you go to our website and say, yeah, I'm, I'm going to help out? Will you give in ways that you've never gave before? Will you volunteer in some way? Maybe even in an uncomfortable way. How can we seek the good? You know what's crazy about this? As we do that, as we start to do what's not natural in times of anxiety, you know what Elijah's greatest fear was? His greatest fear is that he was going to die in this moment, right? He's going to die. And then later with Elijah, get this, Elijah never died. A chariot comes down, sweeps him up, and he goes off into eternity. And the thing that he feared the most never happened in a very real way. Get this, he was anxious for nothing. The vast majority of what we worry about never actually happens. We're anxious for nothing. Or sometimes it does happen, right? But it's not as bad as we thought. Turns out we're anxious for nothing. Sometimes it does happen, and it is bad. But the goodness of God carries us through, and all of that worry was actually for nothing. That is why Paul was able to say what he did. I want to close with those words again this morning. Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. He's near. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God which transcends, surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Father, I just pray that over every person this morning. Would you bring your peace? Would you guard our hearts? I pray against anxiety in every form for every person that's hearing my voice this morning, this afternoon, or whenever they're listening, Father. I pray that we would be people in this time that pray that present our requests to you, not try to control and not try to do on our own, God, but come to you knowing that we will find help and hope in, in a home and community and answers, God. I pray that we would lean in 
and spend time with you. God, I know that it's, it's not even an accident that we're in this time of house of prayer together as a church community. I pray that it would be a time like no other, God, of going to you, seeking you, and seeking on others' behalf, God. And Father, for those that are feeling hopeless, I pray that maybe even today, for the first time, you would just raise your hands with me and go, yes, I'm ready to receive hope from you, Jesus. I seek you and nothing else. I run to you and not away from fear. Father, would you meet, would you draw near in this time to every person that's praying that, that's seeking to you? Would you, would you be faithful to your promise when you say, I will be found by you? Father, I pray that we would seek you and we would find in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Paradox Church Podcast. If you want more information about us or to just get connected, please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com. We would love to hear from you.